Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Open Source Workplace Weekly Podcast, uh, where I'm your host, Steve Todd, Global Head of Workplace at NASDAQ and the founder of opensourceworkplace.com. Each week, we talk with industry experts and thought leaders on trending topics all around workplace. Today's no different, so what are we going to talk about today? Let's pull up today's agenda. Today, we're going to talk with Luke Camperman. Luke's a good friend of the show, good friend of mine, someone I confide in, I speak with regularly, whose opinion I value. Uh, he's a managing partner of Veldhoin. And what we're going to talk about is uh, people, you know, we, we often talk about workplace strategy. There's a lot of narrative in the media about people, place, but very little about process. The process by which people do things, how organizations uh, manage flows of information and communication. And we're going to touch about that today. We're going to look at existing, well, how organizations maybe are doing it today, how they did it pre-pandemic. But then also, what are the new ways? How does this need to change in the new ways of working? So that's what we're going to discuss today with Luke Camperman. Uh, so Luke, welcome. Come on in and uh, thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Steve. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. It's been a, it's been a little while. Um, and uh, how have you been? How's the family been? Um, you know, I, as we were sort of t talking a little bit before we got on camera, you know, I, I live alone and the winter during a pandemic has been tough, but obviously you have a family, young kids. What's it been like for you? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's indeed an interesting one. Um, I can tell this week, you know, on Sunday we went to, um, I live in Brooklyn, we went to Prospect Park and I was like, okay, you know, spring is coming. You know, it felt a little bit like, you know, we can start breathing again. Um, today, my wife and the girls, um, it's not even that warm, right? But they go to the beach, you know, they just want to, they want to get out. They want to uh, definitely enjoy. Yeah, winter is always a bit challenging. And I felt indeed the past six weeks, um, you know, January, February, they, they were pretty, pretty tough. So I'm, I'm happy to see that. Um, you know, the blue skies and uh, the temperature is rising. That uh, helps a lot. 100%. It, it's, it's kind of funny. I've taken the last two days off look and uh, off work, and I couldn't have taken two better days in the New York area. The weather's been beautiful. It's been so good. So, yeah, so it makes such a difference in how we feel and, and, and that as well. So I'm glad you're doing well. So, so look, obviously, I know you well. You've been on the show. But those who don't know you, what, what really should they know about Luke Camperman? Um. Well, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm very passionate um, already for 18 plus years about uh, the future of work. Um, and um, whereas maybe in the past, sometimes we had to push for that topic, you know, to be on the agenda. Um, the last 12 months, you know, it, it just happened to be on everybody, um, every leadership agenda. Um, but um, my background is in, in general business management and I... Um, I really enjoy the work that I do helping organizations to from a business and strategic perspective, but then to work with, you know, HR, human capital on the one hand, um, IT, new technology, software, and then with real estate FM and working with all those three often siloed um, parts of the business is uh, is a big joy, you know, to uh, make it really um, holistic and in the approach and primarily what I enjoy doing Steve is to to find the real intent behind the change towards whatever that new way of working um, entails for an organization um, because I strongly believe that you can change systems you can change um, the environment and that has a profound impact but if you don't have it with a um, collective 
um, intelligence and a very clear intent behind it, what you really want to get out of it, um, it, it might fall flat pretty uh, soon. So to ignite that little fire and to find that for organizations and to make that story big, um, I guess that's the, the, the main part of my uh, job. And, and, and like, I'm going to try and keep this on point to what we have to say we're going to talk about. But the challenge with you and I, we know when we talk about this, we go off on so many chat tangents that we can sort of uh, we, we sort of go off topic. So we'll try and do my best. But I just want to pull on that thread. So, you know, you talk about just said just now that actually what you do is help organizations hit that target. Right. How do you maneuver and manipulate the organization to hit those targets? So whenever companies come to you today and they say this is my target, what sort of things are they telling you right now? It, uh, well, they, they tell me a lot of things, uh, and and then at the same time, um, I'm I'm a bit um, not fully surprised. Um, they don't really know what they're targeting, and and that is the the key thing. <clears throat> so, on for example, what we have seen is a bit of a shift. Um, who's leading the future work? And it has shifted from real estate FM holding workplace of the future towards um, HR or, or human capital. And I think in the past months, um, you know, the, the last few months of 2020, they started working on building a vision, uh, primarily, you know, getting some insight from the information, the data gathering, focus groups, and convincing the leadership teams that, hey, we really can do things differently now, right? That's what we're all experiencing. Um, but then what? And, and so it's primarily how do you operationalize now um, what that future work really uh, uh, can be for an, uh, the organization is where a lot of them are actually uh, stuck at the moment because it's just, you know, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different viewpoints. But again, there's not one shared intent of where they really want to um, drive it towards to. And so um, to give you an example is that I hear quite a lot about, you know, client experience. I hear about employee experience. All, you know, we all know like, yeah, yeah, great. That, that's important topics. But then to really drill that down, like what is that experience? And then for example, to say in our vision for 2026, um, we want uh, our people to have the same employee experience wherever and whenever they work. That's fantastic. What? does that actually mean, you know? And so to really get to the next levels and to validate some of those, um, you know, visionary principles um, is where they then get stuck. So I guess that's where at the moment we are doing most of the work, like, okay, um, let's do some more data gathering, let's validate the vision. Um, because if you have a vision like that for 2026, but you start talking with the business, the, the people who are responsible for a line of service, for example, then we hear often like, yeah, 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 I'm really behind that. So where will my 50 people sit? Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden it's very, you know, very flat, very one dimensional again. So there's still a huge long way um to go to to make that you know uh, manifest and I, I guess that leads a little bit to you know the topic of today as well uh, for example work processes um are such a critical part of that uh, spectrum yeah no and I'm, I'm glad that uh, this is something that we kind of kind of agreed and landed on to talk about because i think there is a lot of media coverage uh be it negative be it positive on the people and the place side right and we don't need to to go through those things <clears throat> excuse me 
So process, yeah. So whenever you say you say work processes, because obviously this could often is said work processes or workplace processes. Do you see them as different? Um, no, I think in the end of the day, it's all about um, you know operational processes. So if if you if you look at um, let's say the working culture of an organization, you can break them down in in three elements. One is the the very tangible artifacts, right? It's the things that we can see, that we can feel. It's the, the design of your offers. It's the tools that we have. The second element is the, the structure. Um, it's the, the systems. It's the processes that we have in place. You know, maybe not you can see and touch them all, but you can assess, you know, um, what's there. The, and then the third element, which is what we call more the subservice, is literally around this is how we do things around here. This is like when things really start to matter, when decisions have to be made, what is accepted? What is not accepted? What is important? What is not important? Then, you know, the real um, driver um, comes comes through. And and so if we talk about that second layer, the, the processes and systems that we have in place, um, yeah, they're all operational processes. Some support the primary processes, the so-called secondary processes, but it's all processes, right, to make our working lives um, effective and, and efficient. Um, so I don't really see that there's a big difference. The only thing, I think there is um, an interesting element where you look at um, programs or initiatives. And, and sometimes that is seen as a, you know, a, you know, from freeze, unfreeze, refreeze, like it's a one-off transformation. And I think the, the, opportunity for organizations is to now really adopt a change mindset into those daily operations. So to indeed, you know, we've been talking even pre-pandemic a lot about agile, but how can you indeed start to morph that into the daily operations that, um, that are happening? And, and so when you, um, you know, wrote me about the topic for today, I was like, yeah, you know, you can't change your way of working without changing some of your work processes. That's almost like, you know, the same thing where we have been discussing a lot, like with workplace culture, you can't go to a new work, uh, way of working with the same attitude and with the same expectations. So, you, you know, and the same is for work processes. There's so often that I see, you know, um, okay, there's a new vision, there's a, a new way of working, it's going to be more mobile and flexible. And then, but we as a department have all these special requirements. And these special requirements are often, um, if you drill down on it, it's like it sits in work processes. And then it's like, yeah, but this is how we do things. This is how we work. And if you are not willing to um, um, look at those processes and what you can change uh, about it, then that's what people hold on to often to not change um, and you know a very simple example i need to have a uh, a signature in ink from this or this person so no we have to be all in the office um now it sounds a bit like a silly example nowadays you would wonder you know does that still need to be but yeah it, quite often it is so how can you change you know some of those uh, processes into a digital process and I know that organizations started to work on it, but again, we are finding now in the pandemic as well, 
um, I've been working with some text departments and they said like, no, we need to have access to printers. We need to have, you know, things on paper. We have to, but we all had to do it remotely now. There was no choice. And yet yeah, it took a little bit longer, but now, you know, several months in, you know, the realization is like, hey, we actually, we changed some of our processes. And, and so we can do this differently in the future. So I would always um, uh, highly recommend when you look at it in an integrated way, you know, have like have an agile coach on the team, have have a business process redesign expert um, on the team um, that really can help when you start to engage with the businesses, because you will find quickly where they come up with things that they feel like they're hitting a wall um, and that sits them in, yeah, in processes. And who do you think owns that processes element within organizations? Because it's very easy to see there's the people stream, there's the technology stream, there's a real estate stream. Does that have to come down to the, each individual business nominating someone to actually run through their entire processes and almost rewrite to fit the new ways or new mode of working? Yeah, that, that's, um, I would say it depends. You know, the, the um, and, and why I say it depends, it depends a little bit again on the, how you've how you want to organize an initiative like this if the 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 challenge might be and i've experienced this myself that then a new way of working which initially was like let's go to new offices that we can use more you know flexible all of a sudden they realize like whoa this is actually like a, a, a enormous transformative you know uh project and then um, it can become bigger than what we say Ben Hur, right? It in and then the cost starts to accumulate, and so I've programs that um, the question then is like, okay, who owns what? In what part of this is you know uh, sits within the business? I would say the business should own it. It's their work processes. That's what they uh, you know do on a daily basis. You can then, uh, as a step in between, you can see in your program and your initiative towards a new way of working, do we um, offer support? So do we have like a business process redesign uh, uh, um, analyst or person who we can, you know, hand out to the business to help, you know, make sense of it. Then with the business, uh, of course, it's like, are you looking for some low hanging fruit? Like there are some small pieces of a process that you can uh, change or are you sincerely looking at you know a, a redesign of the process and of course then it becomes uh, a much larger uh, um, thing and then you have to look at time again as well because some of that you can't change in you know six or 12 months it might take you two or three years um, but generally i would say business owns yeah, and I guess what the challenge a lot of this is, right, it's it's a lot easier for people to visualize and ask the question, what is our people strategy for the next five years? What is our real estate strategy for the next five years? To ask the same question, what is our process strategy in the next five years? Just seems, one, a really weird question, really important question, and obviously we know the sort of the relationship that all plays together, but I'm not sure how many businesses actually ask themselves that question. Yeah, and some do. So sometimes it's also uh, combining initiatives that are already happening and and finding again that sort of momentum. Like ah, we've been you know discussing that already for two years. Hmm. Actually, now if you know with a new way of working, it it totally makes sense that we start doing it. You know, um, because it's it's often seen as a 
is primarily as a cost thing, right? They can't really see straight away, you know, how it will benefit them. But I think now is also um, a momentum to go back to the drawing table because in the past 12 months, a lot has potentially changed. We might not want to see it. We might not be ready to see it. We might still lean towards like, oh, let's go back to normal. But um, clients and clients' um, expectations and their experience might have changed. So I think, you know, you have to start there again. And, and not just because internally we have to do it yes or no. And it becomes before you know something you get stuck in because, you know, who, who's the decision maker here. But if you do it from an external point of view and you look at, hey, you know, this is what is changing for clients. or this is how we want to, you know, create a different client experience in the next few years now, then that automatically leans to, you know, we have to change some of our processes. Um, but I, I hear you, you can't, you can't, it's a big thing. You can't do it all, you know, just, just in a one go. So how important is it then for organizations to really define their process? Less important than it maybe um, used to be. Um, I think what is more important is to define the direction, the mission. And um, with um, laying out the whole, the whole landscape and, and the whole process, um, then I would say like, hey, we've learned already a few things in the past few years, even pre-pandemic. And the pandemic has now um, stressed it even more. There are things that you can start doing in a more agile way and that you can test and learn. And so um, let that, you know, really happen and, and, and make failure part of, you know, business. And you can't fail on your mission. So that's why your mission needs to be fully, uh, fully clear. But you can fail on, on a daily basis um, by things that you're testing out, that you're learning from. Otherwise, you're not making that progress. Um, and then there are, I believe, uh, um, you know, give that ownership to the business, to the teams. Um, it's almost back to, you know, um, history is repeating, like what Toyota did, you know, back in the days. Like, empower your people. If the mistakes are being made, um, it doesn't take, you know, weeks or months sometimes, you know, to go back up to the leadership team and then, you know, to decide, and then it has to filter back down, like, what do we do with it? No, you know, make it closer to the production line, make it closer to the people who are dealing with these. Because if you start talking about it, I'm often amazed that people and teams go like, but yeah, but in our team, we do it this and this way. It totally doesn't make sense, but yeah, that's just how we do it. And it's like, okay, so what, what, and why is that? And where does it sit stuck? And what, what could you potentially do, you know, about it? Mm. But people often don't feel ownership of it. And they feel like, yeah, that's just how this organization, you know, is structured and the systems that I have to deal with. And so just tell me my little task and then I'll keep doing it. And, and so we do it almost, you know, blindfold. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm giggling because I can totally relate and I'm sure anyone else watching can totally relate too. But whenever you say tie back to mission, what do you mean whenever you say tie back to the mission? What is that mission? Is that mission of the organization or something else? It should always be tied into the, the mission and the strategy um, of the organization. 
um, um, but if if we want to you know move towards a new way of working, it should have a very strong mission or storytelling behind it. And um, you don't have to. That, that's what I've learned in the past five six months working with clients. Um, and I was there, you know, trying to spell that out in a perfect way. Like, okay, that's the vision, and then these are the guiding principles, and then we try. Some of that, like, okay, that's the 80-20 rule. Like, this is good enough. Let's start validating some of this with the business. Or let's start looking for um, what can we prototype? What can we pilot? And then let's learn from it. And then let's go back because without a doubt, and things are evolving, right? We, we like to have certainty. Steve, I don't know in the next 12 to 18 months where, you know, what out of the pandemic, let, let's fingers crossed, let's hope, what that actually means and what that is going to look like. But if we don't start to have a clear story and an initial vision and then start testing and allowing ourselves to, you know, fail on a daily basis um, and to learn, um, then we won't really change. You know, then I, I fear a little bit that in 12 months time that some organizations go like, you know what, we, we actually were a little bit passive. And, and, and now this is where we stand. And I think we can just open the doors again and let's go back to, you know, normal. Um, I don't think you have that luxury. I don't think, you know, so that, that is I think something that organizations feel they shouldn't do. But more and more, and now with the vaccines and, you know, and, and there's hope. And, and that can lean towards the ones that really, you know, become stronger and immerse, you know, in a better way out of this very disruptive times. And I think there are the ones that actually realize that they just sat through it and haven't used it as a momentum to really change anything. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to predict you. I'm not a futurologist um, who will be the winners or, or but I've got a gut feel about it. Let's put it that way. So, I mean, you said that you, you wouldn't recommend those people sitting still opening the doors and just bringing everyone back as it was um, pre pandemic. Why, why do you say that? Um, but because I think it's unnecessary and, and, and that's where then back to, you know, my passion. Um, I truly think, you know, about you, me, myself, about, you know, my daughters growing up, the way that we work in our personal well-being, um, there, there is just, you know, we can do things differently. You know, sometimes last year, even before the pandemic, I was working with a financial institution here in Manhattan and just the sheer fact that with some people, we started to open up more flexibility pre-pandemic and and people said like i don't know I, I don't know why i did it but year in year out i traveled and commuted into the city one and a half hours or sometimes two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening and so you're telling me now i could work from home one or two days a week and then they came back and they were like this is like amazing and it blew me away like how what happened that this is like seen as abnormal. And, and so I've, 
you know, I really, I really care about, you know, inclusion and diversity. I really care about well-being. If we don't run our businesses in a more sustainable way. So I almost don't care, Steve, in that sense about how businesses are performing. But I do care about how people are performing and how they feel that they can live, um, you know, a sustainable um, life. So even just for that sake, I would say it's a huge uh, missed opportunity from a societal uh, perspective. Um, that the business can benefit from it, no doubt about it. But to me, that's almost like nice. That's a nice thing. But a lot of leaders focus on that as the first thing. And so it's just, again, it's a little bit of a, you know, through what eyes are you looking at this momentum and this, you know, these disruptive times? Um, what is what is the intent, you know, what is the legacy that you really want to leave um, uh, behind, you know? Start to ask those, those questions um, because people, you know, people feel that, people see that, um, you know, then they, they start to understand the story and they start to buy into the story and they start to build uh, um, you, you, you're breaking up there a little bit look um, but I, ju I just want to sort of I'd love to come back and clarify and, and sort of ask the question because obviously it's a big statement you know you don't really think about the business performance you think about the people performance you can you hear me again look yeah, I lost yeah, you, you can. for okay, good. 10 seconds. Yeah, no, I, I don't know what it is. Um, but so sort of my question was, I wanted to go back and just clarify on that. Because you said, you know, you don't necessarily care about business performance. You care more about the people performance. So I just want to sort of like, because that's, that's a big statement. Is that because the people performance, therefore, will actually then just flow into the business performance by looking after one, you look after the other? I, I, I personally have no doubt. No doubt that that is the case. Yeah. Um, but it, it takes a little bit of guts and it takes, um, an, you know, just a huge trust element there. Um, but generally, like, you know, Steve, you know, we, we both grew up as a little kid. You know, we learned things. We didn't even know how to drink or even how to walk, you know, and we figured it out. And, um, you know, people make big decisions on, on mortgage or things, you know, so treat each other as adults um i would say is is definitely you know the starting point um behind this um but with business performance yeah of course we need to also have hygiene in place we need to have the right metrics we need to have the right um even for you know for my organization we as you know a global consulting firm with about 50 people um last year we you know, it's like a little bit the shoemaker in his own shoes, right? We realize that in our performance management, we primarily have done it on um, lagging indicators and not on leading indicators. And the lagging indicators were primarily financial. And, and so we, we, we care uh, and we think we care about um, uh, people and that we are a very human-centric organization. Um, but we realize we're not measuring it. So how do we actually, you know, know? So we started to relook at our own KPIs um, because yes, again, you know, it's not, not important, Steve. You still have those, you need to have those things in place um, so that we can hold um, ourselves accountable. But those KPIs 
um, again, they need to match with that, you know, mission and not just, you know, financial KPIs. And of course, we, we know that employee engagement and other things and well-being has been more in the picture over the past uh, 12 months. Um, well, let's keep it there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's it's a tough thing to balance, and it's it really is the chicken and the egg, right? And it's and it's it's a tough thing. I think CEOs to sort of not take one without the other, and I, I think we have to acknowledge, right? There is a lot more focus on people during this time. The 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 sort of the feeling, the emotional connections, and so on and so forth. We have to acknowledge that 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 is sort of being a lot more transparent within organizations. And I also think you know we talk about process, we talk about transparency. You know, we do see a lot of uh, information in the media these days about organizations making decisions so that they can actually provide guidance to employees about how their processes are going to work in the future. You know, I often go back to Spotify, where there is a lot of media attention that Spotify, or they're all going to remote, they're not going to work, they're not going to work in an office anymore. Spotify never said that they're not going to be in the office. What they did, they make the decision, though, to allow themselves to provide flexibility to employees, but also to then think through their processes. How are we going to operate in this way going forward? What is the technology we need to provide? How are we going to communicate? There's no no doubt about it. The remote companies and how they define processes and illustrate their processes, there are lessons to be learned there. And so as we sort of try and wrap this up, I mean, I think that's one of the key things that we can really take away from a lot of those remote-based companies. How do we make those processes transparent? I mean, so visual that actually you you can go and search index, how do I do this when I do that? And, you know, there's, I mean, GitLab's the one that everyone goes to where you can go and, you know, employee handbook where it is step-by-step. Step. When you're doing this process, this is how you do it. This is who you communicate it. This is how you communicate it. If that doesn't work, then do this. You know, so as you think about processes and we think about these things, how, how are you thinking about that and what guidance would you provide? Yeah, no, I think that that's um, talking about um, Spotify, that's spot on. <laughs> um, you, you have to uh, think through um, um, those processes uh, without uh, any doubts there. Um, I, I just want to very quickly, uh, before I respond to that one thing, I feel hesitant personally when organizations say we go fully remotely. I think it might be doable, but my, what I feel is under pressure is the, again, the diversity and inclusion. And the reason for that is with the officers, it was relatively easier to create um, equal circumstances, right? Yeah, of course, I, I know in the hierarchy of organizations, it, it was not always um, uh, equitable, but with working from home, it depends strongly on four things, right? It's your occupation, so sort of the, the job role. Um, it is the function that you're in. It's the spaces that you have at home. And then it's your personality, you know, the, your own traits. And so I think we need to offer choice there. Um, it, it won't be, you know, there is such a wide variety of, if you think about these four elements, of what people are, you know, operating in, um, that I'm tend to say, well, good luck for the ones that go, you know, just fully, uh, fully remote. Um, not, not necessarily sure that is, you know, the smartest way. Um, but yeah, then, then you, uh, for sure, you have to reevaluate um, all the different things that you do um, and and the processes in uh, in place. 
Um, I mean, I'm not an expert myself in analyzing processes. There are, you know, fantastic people um, out there. Um, but yeah, I think in conclusion, you know, how, how can you do without it? Yeah, I, I don't. And, and that's sort of where I sort of wanted to sort of touch on this with you, because I think, you know, no matter what way we work in going forward, whether you're office based, whether you're going to work hybrid, whether you're going to work remote, whatever that is, I think organizations need to really sort of look at what is the best process for employees, no matter where they work, how they work to be able to, to perform their tasks. And I think the the point you raised about that equitable um, equality, right, the equality you talk about where people, where they work and how they work and make sure that um, that's all covered and provided to by the organizations. I think that's, I think that's a big thing, a good thing as well. Um, so as we wrap up here, look, any, any last thoughts that you want to share? Um, l l hey, there's hope. Let, let's there's always on. hope. Look, there's always hope. <laughs> there's always hope. Um, now it's exciting times actually. Um, I see there's a lot happening in the market. There's, um, um, you know, like we just said, December, January, we're really downtime. And I think we just, we all needed that. Um, and, and since February, things are picking up. There's, there's, um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to, um, to this year and, and, um, you know, how we're, and how we can be still compassionate, um, you know, for the whole situation that we're in and, uh, hopefully the pandemic will have helped us to, you know, become a little bit more human uh, again as well. So let's let's use that momentum. Fantastic, great, great final lines, final words there. Look, so look, thank you. I appreciate you as always sharing your thoughts, your ideas, your time. Um, thank you, and uh, folks, for those who did watch all the way through, thank you. Do check out the links below where you can connect with Look. Uh, do check out opensourceworkplace.com. Um, and uh, thank you for watching. 